0: I asked politely, but you didn't hear me. Let the note go. Look at the strife it's causing you and your little girlfriend. Let me find it a new home. We'll be free of each other.
1: I'm not going to give the note to you or anybody else. And if you fuck with me again, I'm going to put your name in it. (laughs) You could try. (laughs) But I warn you, there are four letters in my name. Most anyone's ever gotten were two. Hmm. Hi, I'm Daryl. And I'm Petros.
2: And welcome to episode eight of Getting the you Season 2. We're from Heaven's Gate to the present day. Join us as we get to know Willem Defoe in this dedicated Dafoe podcast. So, episode eight, we're getting towards the end of things already.
1: I know things are start like the the hand of death on this season is creeping up on our shoulder, Daryl. <laughs> our names have been marked in a leisure, and we are yeah we are not 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 for this not long for this world. is season two of this podcast. What a bit of sweet feeling.
2: I know it's almost as if some angsty teenager has written me name in a book, uh, bequeathed to me to go to B and Q and meet me death at the hands of some garden implements in a. <laughs> In a very very comical way but yeah here we are speaking of uh silly goose ways to die we are here with death notes from 2017 um it is you know a beloved manga a beloved anime and we uh joined by a delightful guest we're getting into a a lot of topics i think we're gonna have more fun in this episode than we might have had watching the movie <laughs> uh just as a little heads up there but yeah a delightful conversation um so how did we have joining us this week and what the
1: devil we'll we be talking about so as you mentioned we're talking about uh, adam wingard's 2017 adaptation of death note the beloved manga and anime and we are joined by ben challoner the co-host of the third Windows Film Podcast, and Ben knows everything there is to know about uh, Japanese and East Asian cinema, so he was kind of a perfect person. And it feels like I should, I should very much lay my cards out on the table right now for any of you anime and manga heads out there. I know nothing. About the source text of this film, uh, Daryl is a lot more well versed in it than I am, and Ben kind of seems to be like the the Uber Mensch kind of like uh, all knowing eye on it. It's, it's kind of got a nice wide wide swath of yeah. kind of involvement of Death Note.
2: I've got a Crunchyroll subscription. I don't like to talk about <laughs> it, um, just in case you're wondering, <laughs> yeah, I dabble.
1: I See, dabble. I'm I, I'm still longing for the. Uh, the crunchy roll uh, Milky Way that they released. Do you remember that? That had like the crunchy exterior. I'm still. Some long, names I'm still
2: deserve them. to be in the Death Note, Petros, and you've just signed <laughs> your, your your own Death Note there with your silly little geese antics. <laughs> you bloody fool. you bloody fool. Uh, but as uh, as Petros said, we are discussing especially as it pertains to Death Note from 2017, the difficulties of a live-action adaptation of manga and anime, especially those with a devoted fan base. You just have to look at the Letterboxd reviews for that one. Uh, The controversy surrounding the movie and the backlash it received. It feels like every other film we've covered this season has controversy (laughs) and backlash. We we said it was the
1: sexy season. I think it's the controversy season, given the way things have gone. Yeah, each film has a kind of when it has that Wikipedia section, like the uh oh like that has been that has been this season in a nutshell, baby. <laughs> the old collar tug and
2: oh boy season. <laughs>
1: um and
2: last but not least we're talking about how we think maybe every Japanese movie should have its own musical as well. So if that ain't wedding in the proverbial whistles, I don't know what is. Uh, but it's a delightful episode they always are, you know this by now and if you enjoy the episode, if you enjoy the show and the podcast be sure to reach out to us on all of the
1: socials Uh, and Petros, whatever could they be well if you want to board the Defocomotion Motion train and head on to each and every stop that we are taking you can find us on Twitter Instagram and TikTok all at defoe Pod, or you can drop us an email which is Pod at gmail.com write to us there do not write your, our names in your death note please no heart attacks thank you we've still got so much more defoe to cover
2: um <laughs> we we're,
0: we're, we're just men innocent men <laughs>
2: We ain't done no crimes. All we did was love. Is it a crime? <laughs> um, well, it
1: I'm on a police governor. I've done nothing wrong.
2: <laughs> I feel like we should be given heart attacks now for this. Um, we, we, reap, <laughs> we, reap, <laughs> we reap what we sow here. We reap what like we
1: Dickensian sow. Boys.
2: <laughs> like the Dickensian boys. We Vic- die of dysentery. Yeah, like Victorian gentleman with the case of the common cold. It is over <laughs> for us. Uh, but with that said, we'll jump into the episode... So enjoy, have a little chat about Death Note, and then we'll see you on the other side. Getting to know you, getting to know all about
1: Willem, getting to like you by watching all your
2: films. This week we visit the 2017 supernatural crime thriller Death Notes. Defoe voices Ryuk, a death god and an owner of a mysterious notebook. Helping us get to know Defoe a little better this week and see if Death Note is taking an L or helping us see the light is host of the Third Windows Film podcast, Ben Challoner. Ben, thank you very much for joining. And how the devil are you doing today?
0: <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm doing very well. That was a. Uh, I like that. Take the L or see the light. That was very, very, <laughs> very, very good.
2: And I, I, I don't think people give me enough credit for my intros. Actually, <laughs> I respect it. That's probably the most work I do with this podcast. It's like <laughs> I, was, I was trying to think like oh like t- this hope this film take note or rip out a page it was like pathetic daryl you can do better <laughs> than that you know you can
0: you're workshopping your opening nine i love that i've never <laughs> i've never thought that much about a podcast in my life when i go into it.
1: <laughs> is this film gonna be a death or is it one to take note of Like, of course, you not step off
2: my turf right now petros you step off
0: <laughs> Both of these uh, are better
2: than the film. Episodes over. Thank you very much. Good night, everyone. Uh, No, amazing. Yeah, a little peek behind the curtain. there. Before I've even watched the film, I'm just pacing up and down in a dressing gown going, go on, go on. You've got a recording in 24 hours. (laughs) (laughs) My editing woes aside, my scripting woes aside. What we're always keen to know as we start these episodes, especially... With new guests such as yourself, Ben, before we get into the nitty and the gritty of it all, is how well do you know Defoe? So, when we ask that, we are looking at uh, do you recall your first Willem Defoe film? Do you know how many you've seen? And what are your general views on the man we've dedicated a podcast to?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I've been thinking about this because it's hard to pinpoint my first one, right? Um, But the first one that I can really remember going, oh, who the fuck is that guy? Was Speed 2 Cruise Control. (laughs) Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I saw it in the cinema when I was about 13, I think it was when it came out, about 97. I remember just thinking, you know, like, wow, this guy is like weird as hell. I've only seen it a couple of times, but I remember he, he was putting, like, leeches on his body and whatnot. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's just what
1: Willem Dafoe does. That's not even...
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I could just imagine being like, I'm going to improvise here, and they're like, I'll oh, we'll keep it in. But, yeah, obviously thinking he was weird at 13, obviously I had no idea how right I actually was. Um, yeah, I think the next big one for me, the one that uh, I've probably seen him the most in, uh, is American Psycho. Sure, um, yeah, yeah. Which again, ironically, is like probably his like most uh, measured performance. <laughs> like he actually plays it quite straight in that one, and then obviously later down the line when I discovered David Lynch and that it was just wild at heart. And I still think that to me is still like peak Defoe. <laughs> yeah, just so wild and unhinged and just amazing and just unforgettable.
2: Yeah, that's our that's our boy right there. Um, <laughs> a leech covered <laughs> goblin gliding. Uh, big toothy, crazy son of a gun, you know, and that's why I think we, we we've tried to do this the sexy season to be a bit more take that that Defoe aesthetic on, but the Defoe daddies this season that we've we've been talking about, hell yeah, leather and probably more leather than anyone has ever associated Willem Defoe with.
0: I mean, um, you guys have talked more about Defoe's penis over the last few episodes than I think it's ever been spoken <laughs> about. you got <laughs>
1: carbon niche, right? you got a carbon niche.
0: Should, yeah, <laughs> contact the Guinness Book and see if you can.
2: <laughs> They'll give yeah. you a record for anything these days. <laughs>
0: they will <isn't> they? <laughs> <laughs> The
2: nice.
0: funny one is, though, so you said uh, how many have I seen, right? So um, I do what I always do with, with you know, that, that sort of thought comes into mind. And I went to Letterboxd. Um, sure. and it says I've seen forty-four of his films. Nice, um, but I'm sure there's more than that. Like, for example, Speed Two isn't logged on there, right? Because I haven't watched it since I've been logging films, which is okay. probably like a decade. So it's probably north of fifty, I'd say. So I'd, I'd say I've got a pretty good relationship with him, more or less.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I, I think that's yeah, like one shy. Of how many I've seen? I like it's, it's it's I've got embarrassingly low Defoe stats. I think, but he has just got like an absolutely mammoth career, and it's really annoying that he's uncredited in. Heaven's Gate, so that doesn't come up on your letterbox stats. I'm
0: like, he's in it, God damn it, He's in it! I mean, I don't have the list in front of me now, but when I was looking through it earlier, I was like, I didn't know he was in that, I didn't know he was in that. So, all these films that I'd seen, I couldn't even remember he was in them, which obviously is kind of antithetical to the whole Defoe thing, because he's usually the most <laughs> memorable thing in the film. But yeah, we're getting old now. and yeah. But yeah, I just, I fucking love Willem Dafoe. Always have done. I think he's, like, unique in a way that doesn't seem forced, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It just comes naturally. He has like this unique look and this kind of style, his cadence of how he delivers stuff. And he picks wild roles, and he takes huge swings. And, you know, he's just so confident in what he does. I think he kind of gives the audience a bit of confidence, you know, (laughs) like this doesn't make sense, but he's picked it. So I'm going to roll with it. And you end up just loving it. And yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a role where I haven't gone like, wow, he fucking nailed that completely.
1: Well, you mentioned Wild mm-hmm. at Heart, and it's like, it's a rare feat for somebody to kind of out crazy Nicolas Cage in a movie, right? Oh, yeah,
0: for sure. You know, being like, <laughs> come in and be like,
1: right, yeah, I see what you're doing, Nick, but like, have a look at this.
0: <laughs> I mean, I was thinking as well earlier, I think one of like, maybe not my favourite roles he's done, but one of the ones that really hit me that I wasn't expecting to was The Florida Project. Mm-hmm. Where he played the, he kind of like the manager of the hotel, and he's like pulls on your heartstrings in that film, and like has this whole relationship with his son, and, and he just nails it. And I'm like, wow, he's like playing super normal. Uh, you know, there's no like quirkiness to that character. He's just like a blue collar guy, and uh, he nailed that too. So yeah, I just it sounds weird because obviously everyone loves him, but I, I still don't. I still think he's underrated for how just how good he actually is.
1: Yeah, we've talked about this before. Yeah. And I think it's that thing that he's never been like a uh, super. He, he's like, like an he's a household name to a degree. Like a lot of time, like a, i remember speaking about him with my mum. and She went, "Oh, I don't like that guy." Like, <laughs> think about his face, I was like, "Oh no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like." Him. I think they were watching like Fireflies in the Garden or something like that. And I was like, oh, "How was it?" Like, yeah, I didn't mind him in that, but like because I think like a lot of the stuff. But like, he, yeah, because he's never been that like marquee name. He's never been like a superstar. He's always been like, as you said, the best thing in a movie, but he's never a movie that is like, he's the lead so much. Like a lot of the stuff where he is the lead is more art house fair, whether it's like the work he's doing with Abel Ferrara, like Pasolini or Serbia or something like that. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, he's he's never been to the stratospheric level where where people like can hold him up but i think for two years running he's been like the most watched actor on letterbox like and i think they gave him the award to which was like
0: oh well sorry i've completely blanked on the name of the guest but uh, you were talking about the boondock saints and they were saying um oh you know sometimes he has to pick roles for the money like with speed two and i was like oh no i bet he took that because he was like i'm gonna absolutely destroy this role um,
1: well, yeah, that, that and he. <laughs> I reckon he was like at a point, and he's like, "Well, I've never really done this yeah. big
0: budget movie stuff." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like and the Spider Man too, crazy. right? Like, you know, what did he take that for the money? Maybe, but like, he's working with Sam Raimi. He's doing yeah. this completely unhinged villain role. Like, it's kind of awesome.
2: Yeah, I think we, I think we sort of touched on in the Boondock episode as well. Something I still stand by in that, as much as we do, Lavardefo as a leading man when we get him as such. I think there is respectfully a good argument to be made. Could Willem Dafoe be the the greatest supporting actor um, of our sort of generation as well? Because I I think, like you said, you know, you don't always get him in these sort of lead roles, but he's always memorable. Hmm. And even in some of the I mean, you know, let's be honest here, some of the guff we've covered so far. <laughs> and unfortunately, I'm sure there's still some guff to come. They can't all be winners, baby. Cough, this movie, cough. <laughs> there's some guff to um, come
1: very soon. But in the next, some in the next in the 20 minutes, there's guff coming. <laughs> um,
2: he always just gives a notable performance with what he's got as well. And I think what I'm saying is that we are just campaigning for him to retrospectively win those oscars that he's been denied so many times already i mean you know he's probably not going to get it for death note especially not in the anime and manga (laughs) communities respectively um you know we hear you weeaboos we hear you we're with you on this one but he's he's just got like a a great laundry list of performances i think we evoke the name of nicholas cage in the same way i think nicholas cage gets um i guess in many cases unfairly misaligned as the wild man of hollywood I think some people sort of peg Defoe in that kind of area as well. But you watch these movies, you watch and understand more of the context, and you realize between both of these men, these are very measured and controlled performances, and they know what they're doing. Mm. So, you know, basically what we're saying is, until me and Patros die, we're going to be defending these boys. (laughs) (laughs) This
0: of hills, we're dying on baby. As you said at the start, Daryl, you know, so I do the um, the Third Window Films podcast, which is um, it's basically the official podcast of the distribution label um, that deals with basically mm-hmm. Japanese cinema here in the UK. We talk a lot about you know whenever you get English or american actors in japanese film they're so kind of over the top because the, the way that directors you know use the actors is different the way that they evoke things is different and actually i was on caged in with Petros, and we talked about um prisons of the Ghostland*, the shion sono film that caged oh in. yes and uh i would love to see william defoe work with a japanese director because I, oh. I think they would use him in such an interesting way
2: oh that's tantalizing
0: yeah because I, I I just think that he's proven time and time again that he's not afraid to do anything, and yeah, just getting him in that environment, I think, would be so interesting. Whether it will happen or not, who knows? Yeah, you oh, could I see him know. with
1: like any of the kind of East Asian powerhouses as well. I think he would he'd kind of like slot right into like I think Willem Dafoe, Park Chan, work. Just oh. it would be like kind of like a match made in heaven wouldn't it like that kind of like the the weird like you could the weird twisted stuff that Park chang does and the kind of like mm. the places that Defoe is willing to go do you know what I mean like kind of like I don't know I'm thinking like Antichrist territory here do you yeah. know what I mean?
0: <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Kim Ji-Woon films recently so like you know I saw the devil uh cool. Taylor Two Sisters um A Bit of Sweet Life and he could fit into any one of those and yeah, yeah. It just again, it's not a thought that's ever popped into my head before. But as I was thinking about this podcast recording tonight, I was like, "Oh yeah, that would actually be amazing."
2: Now we're blowing minds over here, expanding horizons left, right, <laughs> and center. I mean, I think at the point of recording, Defoe is it two Studio Ghibli voice roles he's got yes. now. That's yes, that's
0: a really good point. Yeah.
2: So he's uh, he's in the area, he's in the territory. But if we can get live action. That's the pitch for this episode, you know, Defoe across the sea, like you know, what could happen? I think yeah. it could be some beautiful, beautiful magic.
1: And I, I will say this as somebody who's seen the boy and the heron, uh, Willem Defoe is perfectly cast. I saw, I saw a sub, I saw, a, yeah, yeah, I saw a sub, not a dub, but like seeing the character Defoe is playing.
0: <laughs> he is perfectly cast. <laughs> he could play the boy or the heron; doesn't matter.
1: Well, yeah. I I thought Robert Pattinson. What well, if you've seen the trailer for that film? I was convinced that was Willem Dafoe doing the heron's voice. We all were. Yeah, we all I, were. I, I I reckon, I reckon <laughs> he was taking notes on the set of the lighthouse. <laughs> like, right, that's how Willem speaks. Right, yeah that's going into this.
0: I've actually avoided that trailer because I'm so excited for that film. I don't want to. I don't want to know anything. I just want to go in. I don't even know what the Heron's about. You know, <laughs> let's just go in and see what happens.
2: Very, very exciting. So, you know, hopefully we put some goodwill out into the world, um, so good projection, and you know, maybe just maybe we can uh, get some sweet, sweet Defoe. Uh, but with that said, what I want now is to pass over to Petros for some sweet, sweet Defacts. And
1: the figures. Oh, have I got some de facts and the figures for you? Definitely released in 2017. Directed by Adam Wingard. The film is written by Charles Papaladinas and Vias Vlaz Papaladinas. And Jeremy Slater, based on the Japanese manga by Tsugumi Uba and Takashi Abata. The film stars Nate Wolfe, Lakeith Stanfield, Margaret Quayley, Sheer Wiggum, Paul Nagauchi, and our very own deaf demon daddy, Willem Dafoe. The film premiered at fright fest on august 24th 2017 before dropping on netflix the following day this film was made on a budget of 40 million dollars and made a box office return of who knows because netflix hired their facts and figures from us this currently holds an imdb rating of 4.6 out of 10 It has a Rotten Tomato score of 36% based on 77 critic reviews with an audience score of 23% with 5,000 audience ratings. And the critic consensus reads, Death Note benefits from director Adam Wingard's distinctive eye and a talented cast, but that isn't enough to overcome a fatally overcrowded canvas. Our first Willem Dafoe sighting is at 7 minutes and 30 seconds as he appears in a classroom after Light has opened the Death Note book. And his first line is, Shall we begin? <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, are your de facts and de figures. The delightful stuff. That
0: was a damn good impression, actually, Petrus. I'm quite impressed. <laughs>
1: hey, we're two seasons in, baby. If I haven't got a defoe impression under my belt, what the fuck have I got? <laughs> <laughs>
2: We've got nothing but time here. Nothing but time. <laughs> So, the fuller synopsis for Death Note. A high school student, Light Turner, launches a crusade to rid the streets of criminals after discovering a mysterious notebook with the power to kill anyone whose name is written in its pages. You know, before we get into this a little bit more, Ben, we'd ask with the Netflix adaptation of Death Note from 2017, um, is this one... You've seen before, and if it is, uh, do you sort of recall at the time of viewing uh, what your thoughts were, your first impressions were back then as well?
0: A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I remember it well. So I, I, I watched it in August twenty seventeen. So it must have been the week it came out. I didn't realize it was the day after the fright fest premiere. That's <laughs> they knew Again, what they had. Yeah, exactly. we will let you show it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get it out quickly! Get it out before people start talking. Yeah. So. Basically, when it came out, I was, and I still am, a massive Adam Wingard fan. I just Mm -hmm. think he's awesome. I saw Your Next in the cinema... Mm-hmm. um i think i took a date on it to, to go see it actually i thinking, you know it's a scary movie and i just loved it she wasn't such a fan but i loved it <laughs> i don't know if, if you guys have seen that one but yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's awesome like subversion of home invasion slash slasher uh just brilliant and yeah then i was basically like all in on them so i saw like he did vhs one and two he had segments in there he did the uh, abcs of death then he did the guest uh with dan stevens which is just like phenomenal kind of exercise and like slow burn action thriller, just awesome. And then he did the Blair Witch, right? Which again was like kind of a massive flex. You're like, why are you remaking this? You know, like they've already perfected it. It changed cinema. Don't Mm -hmm. fuck with it. And you know, it was all right. It was a bit of a slog at first, but I thought actually what he did with the final kind of 30 minutes of that film was actually pretty kind of cool. So yeah, I, I was basically going into this going, okay, it's a new Adam Wingard film. I'm interested in what he's going to do next. Yeah, And, you know, I'm not like a purist or anything. So I haven't like read the manga, the the Sagumi Oba one, or um, I didn't even complete the anime series, I don't think. I've seen a bunch of them, but I didn't watch the whole like 39 hour run or whatever it is but yeah i did love the films so there's two japanese films by shisuke kaneko and they're really good they're really dark they're really weird um they're really quintessentially japanese so i went into this being like okay let's see what's going on and then i was just disappointed i was just like it removed all the gritty edges of the film um yeah it's a pretty basic teen exploitation kind of YA story. It kind of shares more with Final Destination than it does anything to do with like Death Note or the original manga or anything like that. And yeah, I very quickly logged it on Letterboxd and then just never thought about it ever again. And then Petros texted me, what, six <laughs> years later. Hey Ben, do you want to come on our podcast? And I was like, of course, what are we doing? And he was like, Death Note. I was like, oh,
2: Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Rule ninety-nine of the Death Note: You never forget the Death Note.
0: Exactly. And, yeah.
1: yeah. One of my questions is going to be if you had if you had the book, what would be the first name in there? But I'm now terrified <laughs> to ask Ben because I feel like it would be my name.
0: Well, I do actually. I know this is an audio. You guys don't do video, but I've actually got uh Death Note. You know. Ah, oh, amazing! Here. You know, nice. I've got I've got the DVDs. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So um. Yeah, long story short, I think, you know, the only reason you should remake a Japanese film in English language, in my opinion, is to take the the kind of societal issues that Japan is dealing with in the film and, like, transport it over to the US or the UK, or whatever you're doing, and make it your own. And this one just didn't do anything with it, I don't think. It just stripped out all of the social context. It took away all of the, the dark the darkness of the the decisions that you have to make and just turned it into a YA, a YA gore fest. So, yeah, yeah.
1: when we talk about like the, because I kind of did a crash course on like the manga and stuff like that to kind of like, like at least listen to people talk about like the differences and stuff like that. And one of the things that, and you're saying about that like societal things, someone brought brought up the fact of, in well there's so many different one like light in the manga and i guess the anime series as well he's from a large family he's popular and it's it's more about that kind of societal thing in japanese culture that is very much like that kind of uh what is best for the many not the yeah. few and kind of which is something that like That doesn't translate to America at all, which is like the kind of the country that is like, do you know what I mean? You will step over anyone to to get on top, do you know what I mean? their kind of whole country is based on the American dream, which is like anyone can get to the top. And like through kind of media and like capitalism has become this thing that like, yeah, you can fuck over everyone. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, look at the way that kind of like films like the Wolf of Wall Street is kind of like taken as like, wow, isn't that so aspirational? Do you know what, <laughs> what I mean? Like, where, where's this, and I think a key to this lies in the fact that one of the directors who was like linked to direct this before Adam Wingard did it and like eventually stepped away from the project was Gus Van Sant.
0: Fucking hell.
1: And I think like be like elephant too <laughs> yeah we've hit like there is there is a gla- and i think it's something that, that cannot go unsaid and, and i know i'm getting it on the table nice and early here you cannot like you, how can you miss that glaring thing that like is in like american society that could be spoken about through having this death note like is is like the idea of the kind of the school shooter and like how kind of like prevalent that is and like the kind of because you kind of get that vibe from like, do you know what I mean? He is that he is kind of portrayed in that, like what I what my notes say is like a very like Donny Darko-esque opening. Do you know what I mean? Totally. All slow-mo, yeah. like I've got so many questions. Like, how is Mia allowed to just smoke like while she's chilling? <laughs> yeah. Like like, where, where, like for the first five minutes of this film, you're going like, where are the
0: adults? That's what they that's what I thought too. They just literally they're like, here we are, we're in America. Cheerleaders smoke here, the bullies are like brazen as fuck. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's just it's showing you, yeah, we're we're in middle America here. But like not just what you're saying about the school shooting, which is obviously a a really good point. It's the fact that they actually still actively have the death penalty there. So they still they literally do this to people. They can go, you've done wrong, we're gonna kill you for it. They didn't even touch on that. And all the people that are getting killed are like you know, massive mobsters or you know criminals or okay, the bully thing was a bit much. Again, probably the best kill in the whole film, right? The bully <laughs> get decapitated, you know, at the start. Yeah,
2: great which again, stuff.
0: You always lead with your your best kill uh, to keep people involved, I guess. But yeah, like you said, there was just so many opportunities to say something or do something interesting with the idea, and instead they just went for the kind of bottom feeder popcorn. Which, again, if that's what they were going for, fair enough. But I don't think I'm in the minority saying that it didn't really work.
2: No, I mean, I think you, I mean, universally, majoritively, a lot of people did not like this. And I think even if you haven't uh, read the manga, seen the anime, and you take it at face value, this is ultimately like 90 minutes of kind of nothing. Like, nothing... (laughs) He doesn't really have anything to say. It's like, it's just kind of a waste of a really interesting concept. Um, There's so much they can do, but then they just put it on the shoulders of a very one-note Midwest emo with sort of dyed blonde hair who just kind of, every now and then he just like screams pathetically. And I'm like... <sighs> god damn it man i mean i have seen the anime and um i'll say to put my cards on the table i'm no like anime gatekeeper i'm no purist uh but the anime is you know not to beef it up talk it up too much widely considered one of the best anime and it's gets put onto the list which i would say you know what anime would you recommend to someone who doesn't watch anime or to get someone into anime And Death Note is always, always, always in that conversation because obviously with the form of like 20, 30 minute episodes over however many episodes it is, um, they build up this cat and mouse game, this really tense cat and mouse game with twists and turns. And that's always one of the issues when you're trying to condense like a 20, 30, 40 hour story into 90 minutes, things have to get left behind, things have to get cut out. And this is kind of at a time as well, 2017, where um, Netflix as well, I think a lot of mediums for live action are still trying to get that one big adaptation that's going to work, like video game movies, I sort of think of stuff like the Assassin's Creed movie, mm. the various Resident Evil adaptations they've tried to bring to the big and the small screen, where like you just can't get a one-for-one, like-for-like kind of thing. And it's not been until recently at the point of recording where, with the live action like One Piece series, where they finally started to get it. And this is kind of what happens when you just get people who. This is going to sound like I'm, I'm holding whole, um, whole like a very deep grudge here. Um, like I've, I've still not let how they treat you, The Witcher, go to be honest. When. You get people who just don't really care for the source material and they just don't.
0: So I, I don't think that's true of the case here, right? So I, I don't know if this is true, but I read somewhere that this was originally with Warner Brothers
2: uh-huh. um, and mm-hmm.
0: they dropped it um, pre-production. And so they still own the rights. They had the whole thing. And Wingard was so adamant that he wanted to make it because he loves the anime and the manga so much <clears throat> that he was like, please let me take this somewhere else if you're not going to do it. And they were like, okay, whatever. And they gave it to him and then it eventually went to Netflix. And I've even read in interviews afterwards that he kind of said, you know, he went out to make the best film he could. Um, And he did, he mentioned that, that like, how do you condense 39 episodes of anime into a two hour film? And I'm kind of like, Mm -hmm. exactly. You shouldn't. Mm. You should like (laughs) either create your own story using a death note, which again might've been maligned, but you know, at least you took a swing. Yeah. Or you turn it into like the One Piece live action, which again you've just again stated that they've learned over half a decade of experience now. But yeah, if this was a ten hour Netflix series, it could have smashed it, right? Yeah, give us some breathing room.
2: I think the the Duffer brothers, who obviously helm Stranger Things, are taking on a live action series coming to Netflix. I don't know when. Obviously, COVID has delayed things, uh, but their production company is taking on a TV series, which. Well, now hopefully, and then we've got the one piece blueprint in there. We'll um, do a bit more justice to this because it is I look forward a great to Finn Wolfpack starring in that.
1: <laughs> no,
2: no more. No more. All the Stranger Things kids are just turning out to be fucking evil anyway. So, no more. No, that's all, that's all I'll say on that. Do your own research. Do, don't cancel me. Do your own research. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but hopefully, because yeah. it's um, it's it's a great story, and um, uh, let's see, with the anime that the I will say for like lakeith Stanfield, and this is kind of means a bit more if you've sort of seen it already. He does a very good job as Elm. Well, I will say that's hmm. very um, I like say very in keeping with the character, down to like the way he crouches on a chair, the way he like holds a piece of paper with just like his finger and his thumb. Um, he has kind of got a much better idea of the character down but with light and i guess to start talking about light here he's our kind of entry point into this world he is i don't it's kind of a confusing character because you never really know where you're supposed to go with him because he's you know he's doing these very i think to term it generously morally ambiguous things that's a very very generous way of putting it it's only doing other people's homework,
1: it's Not that, not that morally ambiguous, is it?
2: I mean, until he's. Oh, do that later on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, until the head teacher just gaslights him at the start.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't care about your dead mum. Other people would be lenient about this. I do not give a fuck. You might I mean, be concussed.
0: <laughs> that was one of the things that annoyed me so much about this. Sorry to interject, Daryl, but just because whilst it's in my head, because it will go. Um yeah, it's all right. The, the Japanese film, the live action film it starts with this, you know, the furor throughout Japan of people just overwhelmingly praising Kira, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's killing all the bad guys and uh, this is amazing. Uh, And then you start to get the backstory about, the death notebook and the the boy that was chosen light and all this stuff. This film just has, like you said, that stupid slow motion intro showing cheerleader smoking. And then a book falls out of the sky and you're kind of like, <laughs> what the fuck? And like, that is so tone deaf. I think like it does go into it a bit later with the whole Kira thing, you know, like, Oh, all the bad guys are getting killed. This is amazing. But like yeah. lead with that, you know, show people what this world has become and then yeah. start to like drip feed in why this is happening and why, you know, I, Anyway, I'm no filmmaker, but that's, that's the way I would. No, I
2: I agree though. Cause I think part of my notes for like the first twenty minutes of this movie, it kind of felt like it wanted so badly to be the music video to Evanescence, Evanescence's "Wake Me Up Inside," <laughs> just yeah. slow motion. I said rain, smoking cheerleaders, and I was just there, just in my own head going, "Wake me up, wake me up inside," which is also how I felt about the movie.
0: Also, like what know, Pedro said about the Donnie Darko thing, that is so, like, nail on the head. Because, like, again, I love Adam Wingard as a director, but you're watching it going, he's just literally copying that ethos of, you know...
1: Oh, they're, they're, like, in the first 20 minutes of this film, you are going, like, like you're, you're going, it's Donnie Darko. And then when you see that first death, it's like, oh, that's Final Destination. And then when him and his dad are having dinner, like, their, their apartment shakes because of the train going past, like, that's seven. Like, what are you doing? Like, like and, and that never happens throughout the rest of the film with the train going past. It happens once. It's like we've got one in the budget. It's not like David just it being like, no. Every time we're at the Mills apartment, this like we're building a set and we're fucking getting ten guys to rock it with a tr- like the sound of a train going past. So it's like they just do it the one
0: every filmmaker borrows or homages oh, yeah. films, right no it's just a fact they do but if if the film works and you're invested in it then you kind of just go with it and it, it rolls but when it doesn't work you just sit and going well that's just fucking stolen isn't it? yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> glaringly obvious
1: it's, it's that uh, that age-old adage where it's like don't like dangle a carrot of like a homage that makes you go oh I'd rather be watching that film right now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, when that happened, it's set, like the, the kind of seven thing, I was like, I only watched seven a week ago, but I think I could rewatch, I, I, could I turn this off? He's like, oh no, I'm obligated to watch this. Like, so. Yeah. True. Yeah. Like a lot of, like it never
2: really kind of paints its own identity. And I think it comes back to what we were sort of talking about at the start where it never really won that, knows what it has to say. And there's, points it very loosely touches upon like lights down a little later in the film he's talking with um, l's uh right hand man and i think they're talking about, or it might be with light and he's talking about kira and like you know well a lot of the cops like him here but how how does kira get the authority to say who lives and who dies and
1: mm.
2: it's like oh maybe we can get something about you know the justice system about sort of morality that kind of thing as well about you know, the morals of of the masses and of individuals, but then it's the just cuts back to like light and mirror and said, you know, i have know only known you for about two minutes, but I get super horny when you fucking kill people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it just goes back to that thing. If they wanted to make a tweeny popcorn film, then maybe okay, that's fine. That was if that's what they were going for. But this is a like 18 certificate, right? What? And Netflix. Yeah. Is- yeah, it's really
1: definitely. oppressive like that is one of the things like, like from that opening and like when we get that like thing of him getting beaten up like it's like like the bullies are like fuck you you fucking fuck and like the kind of like sound design of it is like really oppressive and like i was just like well this is like really severe do you know what yeah. i mean like i don't like I I, I I i'm in like i don't mind a hard 18 but it's like this feels like somebody going edge lordy in a way do you know what i mean like it's like it's almost like light turner is directing this film That's like right. the light turner of this film it's like yeah.
0: i'm gonna I'm, ugh, I'm on my blog i'm telling people about kira ugh, let's be
1: fucked do you know what i mean it's like rotten.com kind of like in your face ugh, fuck you like and it's mm. like 100 no, like, no, no, really like, like daryl said i don't want to
0: be a gatekeeper and you know i i it's hard sometimes when you're expressing your opinion not to like sound like you're damning people for liking a film. Because if you do like this film, I'm really I'm like I'm happy for you. I always say that, you know, if someone likes this, that's awesome. It just didn't work for me. But it does feel like someone's made an 18 certificate film that's gonna probably predominantly resonate with 13 to 14 year olds. <laughs> but... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> My first 18, Jeremy, like
2: <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like they're putting the cork board when they're gathering ideas. This is like what are the Tumblr teens up to these days? What <laughs> yeah. are they doing? What happened to
1: the Tumblr? The cheerleaders
0: are smoking for sure. Put that in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe maybe that will become a, a still image on Tumblr. Do
0: you know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> I will say, though, actually, the performances are all great. I thought Nat Wolf, although he's not the perfect light, he does well. And Lakeith Stanfield, as you said, that was fucking awesome. And he always is. And you can tell that he takes every project very seriously. And he's gone mm-hmm. like gangbusters. I remember from him, like, opening up it what was that film um something 13 the one where they worked at the 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 home for kind of troubled teens do you know what i mean um i'm not sure i'll just vamp while i quickly look it up <laughs> and then margaret qualley as well short term 12 that's what it's called um i remember seeing him in that and thinking well wow, that that kid's amazing and then the next year he was like in everything and i was like oh christ he's yeah he's amazing and Margaret Qualley, as well as Mia, I thought was really good, even though we're making fun of her smoking. Like, the character was written. I think, actually, as I'm talking out loud, the problem with this film might have been with those writers that uh, Petros had trouble pronouncing at the start. <laughs> well, you know, they're, not, they're, not,
1: they're not even blue on Wikipedia, which makes me feel like they haven't done much else.
0: <laughs> well, no, I looked them up and, like, yeah, I think they're, they've done, like, some sort of... Oh, yeah, Blood of Zeus TV series no one's heard of they did the, <laughs> you know immortals do you remember that film
1: oh um, if it's the one i'm thinking about then yes whoa, 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 the some
0: singh one yeah so like they just seem like the weirdest most random pick for this and you know adam wingard writes his own stuff a lot of the time so why the hell didn't he not adapt it himself you know i don't know but again daryl said that this was with someone else at the start i think uh well with gus van sant wasn't it so um
1: Another person who is, like, listed as being, like, attached to this as well is Shane Black. (laughs) <laughs> Which like the only difference I could I, I, I couldn't imagine that like is what is set at Christmas. Like what's like yeah. what, what are we doing here, Shane? Like <laughs> yeah.
0: oh, it's just yeah, it's it's so much of what could have been, but also sadly I feel like it's what shouldn't have been. I I think this, this project should have been left behind and
1: uh I feel like it's a film that is hampered by the fact that it is an adaptation of source material. Do you know what I mean? Like like you said, Ben, if this were a film that was just another riff on this idea and could do what it wanted to do, then I think it could do something interesting and there is like there's great ideas and kind of like, there are great sequences in it. Like that foot chase we get between light and L like near the end and like some of like the camera techniques and like some, like so, some of those as well. Like we get great, like stuff like with the camera kind of being fixed on like the back of a cop car and stuff like that. And getting mm. this kind of like p like, but they're only like for a few seconds. So there is kind of like flourishes of great filmmaking and it's kind of like,
0: like I say he's an awesome filmmaker, man. Have you seen the yeah. guest?
1: Yeah. 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 That yeah. Film yeah. Is-
0: fucking fire and like i've seen it so many times and every time I'm like yeah he he nailed this perfectly and the first 45 minutes to maybe an hour is just actually like a teen drama almost with this like ptsd uh you know soldier coming back it's just amazing and then the the genre twist at the final act is just phenomenal yeah no i love it and he does all the neon stuff as well like a lot of the scenes are backlit with all this neon neon lighting we haven't even talked about (laughs) defoe and ryuk yet um And I guess that was on purpose uh, by design, right? We're saving the best for last.
2: (laughs) Uh. I I mean, I think, you you know, sort of bringing up Defoe as the voice of Ryuk, I I think I must have watched this around a similar time as you, Ben, because I watched it with my other Half not too long after it came out. And I vaguely remember um, sort of being like, oh, this is like an adaptation of one of what's considered one of the greatest anime of all time. So let's, let's give it a watch. And then we got to the end of it and I was like, (laughs) <laughs> okay well uh, there's another recommendation of mine down the toilet um
0: <laughs> did your partner go do you really watch these stupid cartoons after that and you're like oh, <laughs> no the cartoons much like better that, i you? promise <laughs>
2: it's, it's it's not all squids having sex with people i swear <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> that's
1: just the hentai you caught me with okay <laughs> <laughs> it's,
2: it's not my laptop i'm holding it for someone else i promise but i remember distinctly even now um when i think back to my first time watching that movie I was like, the rest of the movie, eh, but Defoe voicing Ryuk was fantastic. Like, that was great. Like, that was inspired casting. And I sort of hearken back to, again, you know, I'm not not trying to sort of wish for and say, oh, you should have just let the anime enforce the conceptions of the anime onto the live action. But for the actor who voiced Ryuk in the uh, Western dub, there's a lot of similarities between the voice he used and the voice foe uses, and I think it's just perfect for that character. I watched a Netflix feature, like a two-minute featurette thing with foe giving some interview stuff on Ryuk, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said words to the effect of, "Like as soon as I saw this image of Ryuk with this big mouth and this toothy grin, I knew I had the voice for him. I was like, you just used your
1: voice. That's you. You've just described yourself, Willem. <laughs> well, it's, it's that, and he's doing Green Goblet yeah it's very it's very
0: green goblin but yeah i mean you know daryl is a fan of the the anime that like the the character of ryuk he has to be he has to be funny and likable but like deeply menacing as well and that kind of describes willem dafoe doesn't it really (laughs) like to a t and uh yeah he absolutely nails it i think the only thing that they've fucked up with that character is that whenever he's shown on screen, <clears throat> excuse me, he's in almost complete darkness. Yeah. They really hide him. And it's not like Jaws where you get to see him at the end. Like they just never show him. Um, yes. And in the anime, you see him clear as day hanging out in like well lit rooms, <laughs> like you know, around, eating yeah. his apple by a window and stuff like that. So um, I, yeah, I wish they'd kind of shown a bit more of him and, and focused a bit more on him as a character. But what little we get of him is, yeah, like you said, it's great. It's the best thing in the film by Meteoric Mile.
1: It's interesting to think as well because they had Jason Lyles on set kind of doing a, like, like in a suit. And you kind of – you get it in this, like – this does not feel like a film that needs a blooper reel yet it has one because you can <laughs> see some like behind the scenes stuff in the bloopers at the end like it's like kind of like i don't know yeah like you see Mia's death as she's kind of falling like on the thingy laughing and stuff like as she's on the the cables and the green screen it's like oh, okay but like yeah we see we see jason lyles and we see like i think it's a mixture of him practically on set in a kind of like re-costume with like like lights for eyes and then i think there's some mocap done with defoe as well like Hmm. and yeah defoe is in this like really it's probably like 12 minutes of like defoe's voice really like makes me makes me ask the question like how long did they have defoe for probably
0: a day honestly really like (laughs) Yeah, coffee and a warm meal, and then <laughs> hey, get, out. Hey, give me
1: another cigarette.
0: <laughs> I mean, I love that he said yes to this. I think that's really cool. This was pre-pandemic, so it wasn't one of those pandemic things where they're like, oh, "I'll just give my voice to anything as long as it pays the bills for another month." Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's got kids that are into it. But yeah, no, I love that he did that. And again, it, it works well in his filmography. Like I, I, do you know what? Totally blank that he was a Studio Ghibli guy, but of course he is. He did, um. Did he do the, the Sea Lord in Ponyo as well? Was that him? Or... No,
1: he did Tales of Earthsea. Sea Lord is uh, Liam Neeson. Ah,
0: oh, Liam Neeson, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but he's, yeah, he's in Tales of Earthsea, which for, for for what I know of it is a lesser Ghibli. It's a it's a Miyazaki oh, film. Oh I was still no, checking. I mean, I'm sorry,
0: I'd, I've never seen a Ghibli film I didn't love. So yeah, maybe I'm the wrong person to speak to. But yeah, <laughs> I would suggest seeing all of them once, right? Because, you know, sure. it's not, it's not going to be a waste of your time. At the very least, you'd be like, oh, that was a lesser Ghibli. But still, yeah, 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 yeah. L- it's l- better than Death Note 2017. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Even the lessest of Ghiblis, um succeeds Death Note. I mean, some of the point just bringing up there just sort of uh, makes me think of a little recurring feature I'd like to bring up here called Daryl's Favorite letterbox Reviews. There was one that gave it half a star. That said, um, it is incomprehensible to me that this movie ends with a blooper and behind-the-scene reel, but why, there's another one at two stars, but why does the creature Willem Dafoe voices look like what you'd get if the Green Goblin fucked a porcupine? Yep. <laughs> I want to write this name, I want to write the name of this movie in the Death Note, and the the top-rated review that you can find on one star, this is the hardest I've laughed in a long time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, see, I wish I'd watched it like that, you know some some films like i've been watching a lot of 80s and 70s slashes um mm-hmm. through like spooky season this year uh things like blood rage and you know and um uh, sleepaway camp and the burning mm-hmm. and stuff like that and they're so bad but they're fantastic and they're just funny every line delivery is almost like did you do that on purpose like it's so bad <laughs> and uh it's just such a great time this isn't that bad it's, it's a perfectly perfunctory film. Like, you know, it's very, it's well made, you know, it's well scored, uh, it's well edited, uh, all that sort of stuff. It's just not good. And that bummed me out. I wish I was laughing my way the whole way through it. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it like, yeah. I knew
1: the film had lost me when I kind of got to a point and I was like looking at Paul Nakauchi and uh, Shea Wiggum and just thinking... They would make a great live action casting for a Elysium like adaptation. <laughs> like and the, that was kind of like I was like, oh, they, this film's lost me. I was like, now I'm now I'm like Google searching, like, has anyone else thought of this? Like, are they like and like finding pictures. I was like, I need to do a tweet about this. Like and then they, they, they do. They look perfect. They look perfect for that casting. I was like That's a good oh, show. Man. Like you said, so well, it Elysium, is,
2: definitely, yeah.
1: It is serviceable. But like, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it's just like it's hampered by it's hampered by being a death note film. Because like I think it was damned before it even. Yeah,
0: but if they went into it going, we're going to make something camp as Christmas here. This is going to be yeah, silly, yeah. silly as a Sunday morning. Let's go, go crazy. Um, yeah, but they didn't. They kind of did it a bit po-faced. Although actually, like you said, then they inexplicably put a blooper reel at the end, which screams of like you know test screenings being like the other film i liked like this was american pie they're like oh american pie right so we need to like (laughs) you know show the cast having fun at the end um
1: (laughs) that's always a danger isn't it it's like well maybe the lasting memory will be like oh yeah the the cast were having fun at the end so it must have been a fun time (laughs) right that's that's why they put it in there because it's like oh we've got to leave them on something that's going to make them feel happy about everything like i don't know like we haven't even got into some of the like i
0: don't know you you boys are both letterbox guys right yes so when you go on to adam wingard's kind of letterbox overview death note is the third one in his you know hierarchy of things so it's above the guest it's above blair witch it's above vhs one and two and I wonder, it's like, is that popularity in terms of how many times it's been logged? Or does that go into like the rating system of how people have rated it? I don't know. But yeah, for, for whatever reason, it's, it's well, if, it I, I top think three this, films.
1: This is going to be a film that is going to have been seen by a lot of people. So Letterbox has it listed as 212,000 people have watched it. Right. So, and, and that is just going to be a sheer thing on the fact it was released on Netflix, right? It is accessible. And like
0: thirty-eight point seven thousand gave it half a star. That's yeah, 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 yeah. I
1: think it's I think it's a sheer numbers game on how many people have watched it. I'm not sure how they worked
0: out, but like, yeah, it's
1: got to be on how many people have watched it.
0: (laughs) But yeah, no one goes, you know, sets out to make a bad film, and I'm sure Wingard went into it with the best intentions. But
2: yeah, well, this is what we sort of talk about about you know inciting the wrath of the. Uh, The anime sort of community is the manga community is because I'd read as well that Adam Wingard eventually received so much hate around this, which I guess is, you know, not that I'm saying, well, well, this is what you sign up for. Like I'm not saying that at all, but obviously when you take on such a big property like this, that you're going to be under like a fine tooth comb, a microscopic lens for every fucking frame and got so much hate and even like death threats that he deleted his Twitter account because of death note which you know obviously we're not calling for anyone to be killed to which kind of a crazy reaction and even though we laugh at some of the uh you know the one star and the half star reviews of death note you know also and it's fine to be passionate about stuff and it's fine to be a fan of things and be proud of that be proud of that absolutely but you know don't be so proud that people have to fucking die because this version of light wasn't the version of light Or that, you know, some guy held a pencil in a way that you didn't think was fucking manga accurate. (laughs) It's like grass is touchable outside at all times. That's all I'm saying, you know? Yeah.
0: So. No, you're right. You're right. And it's funny, isn't it? You remember Ryan Johnson got absolutely vilified after um, The Last Jedi? Mm Mm-hmm but I think there was just as many five-star reviews as there was one star, right? It was yeah, like yeah, you yeah. kind of divisive down the middle. This was just universally like shit. So you can imagine <laughs> how much you had to trudge through for that. Um, yeah. I feel for the guy, but I mean, I think, I think Kong versus Godzilla, whatever, sorry, whatever that was called. <laughs> um, I think that got generally quite good reviews. So I think he won a lot of faith back and you know, he's definitely not dead in Hollywood and as you said, I think he's, I think he's signed on for Face Off too. You were saying, um yeah, which is huge. Yeah, again, yeah. almost so huge. I'm like, what are you doing, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. You, you know what happened when you when you went into a big property
0: with a large fan base? Like, are you the glad cage fans
1: are of coming? The cage fans are coming, and I'm <laughs> one of them.
0: Uh, I mean, John Woo's just about to release Silent Night, and I've read some kind of early reviews of that, and it sounds fucking awesome. I can't wait to see it. And it almost feels like, well, if this works, give him face-off too.
1: Yeah, 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 let him him do it. Let him do it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like, this is how we get woo back to Hollywood, people. This is how we, like, we give him, him, you know, no disrespect to Adam Wingard. I think the term, you know, to go from, uh, you know, you've got the guest and you're next. And then we've got Death Note. And then we've got some Kongs and Gone and face-off too. I think in football terms, it's called bounce-back ability. Um, you know, oh, yeah. get knocked down, and I get up again. Up again. You're never going to keep a director down. Um, oh, Winnie the boy, Winnie boy. Face
0: off boy. <laughs> oh God! Come on, right?
2: He's give, stealing everyone's He oh, yeah.
0: He could eat a peach for hours. You know, he could.
2: <laughs> I, I think he
1: could eat two. I think he could eat two of them,
0: <laughs> and a sausage.
1: He's got a baby's arm holding <laughs> the peach between his well. <laughs> 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 obligatory hog
2: talk we've made it <laughs> <laughs> and nearly an hour and we've made it did you think we got? yeah i think it's, it's sort of interesting i mean looking at sort of the controversy around this as well um i think it would be remiss not to mention at least a little bit that there was a lot of allegations and um sort of controversy around the perception of whitewashing in the movie as well for Sure. For i think sure. a lot of it comes back to what we said you know with it I think they did have good intentions to put it in Seattle and make a more I don't know, lack of a better term, Americanize the story to some extent, but in the same sense that it didn't really say too much and there's like, well, there's no reason that like an Asian actor can't be sort of playing the role of light here and
0: Or at least just include some Japanese American actors, right? In like so we had um is it is it uh, Watanabe the they kind of um Partner of L, he oh, he's like the only one. Um, and yeah, you could have just included a few. Like it wouldn't be that hard, and it would just be that kind of respectful nod to the, uh, you know, the country of origin. Um,
2: yeah, uh, Watari. I think I think the characters Watari, the character's name yeah. was yeah. Um, Oh Yeah, and that was one of the one of the main sticking points. Even when the trailer came out, people were like, "Okay, but what is sort of going on here?" The the original Death Note creators, um, and forgive me if, if we've pronounced these wrong, uh, Sugumi Oba and Takeshi Obata uh, both praised the film, defended it, saying in a good way it both followed and diverged from the original work so the film can be enjoyed, of course, not only by fans, but by a much larger and wider audience as well. There was an interview I found with Lakeith Stanfield with The Verge in 2017, and he was asked about the... The whitewashing issue in the movie, as well. And he said, basically, in his own words, this was a fundamental misunderstanding of the movie because it takes place in Seattle, therefore, it represents a certain demographic of America. And he added that uh, people sometimes misunderstand what an adaptation is. Uh, But he also added later in the interview that he was going to go to Japan soon and hope to, and I quote, eat some real dope ramen. So I think he was just vibing the whole way through. Anyway, he didn't mind. He was all good.
0: I mean, in response to the uh, the kind of interview you found with the originators of the story, uh, I, I hate to be cynical, but I, I think Netflix threw a lot of money their way to have this. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. And I'm sure it's a Wouldn't bit like surprised. James Cameron saying that what was it, Terminator Salvation, was the best Terminator he'd ever seen, or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> what like? Yeah. Sorry.
1: I think for them as well, they're like, yeah, it's great. It means more people get to watch this dog turd and go, where does this originate from? Do you know what I mean? Like, let's see. Let's see if, like, do you know what I mean? They'll see the online discourse and go, oh, wow, the, the manga's so good. The anime's so good. It's like, we're going to be getting royalty checks from, from other shit, so don't worry about
0: it. <laughs> do you know what? It's actually one of the things I love most about doing the, the podcast that I do with Adam. So Adam runs Third Window Films. He releases these films. He, his livelihood depends on the sale of these films. And a lot of what our episodes are are talking about his latest release. And I'll be there going like, Wow, this this film actually was amazing, and I love this, and I love that, and blah, blah, blah. and he'll go, yeah, I actually think it's quite shit, and I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, <laughs> I respect your honesty, but like, this is a marketing tool, to, you know, to a degree, and you know, you, you should be using it at least to try and sell copies. But he's just so fundamentally like no bullshit. I just say it how it is, and yeah, if he's releasing a film, he's like, you know, I you know, I was offered it, I bought it, I'm, I'm selling it, but I don't think it's great, and I, I really respect that. But yeah, this this whole like I really like this film. I, I don't believe it. I think this is <laughs> Netflix, I think this is Netflix money uh, being backed up in a truck. And like, oh, yeah. Ted
1: Sarandos is holding a book <laughs> there with their names in it and a lighter, going like, oh, freaking, oh, oh, "I'll burn it only if you read the script, baby." <laughs> we only get to burn one name, so who <laughs> is it going to be?
2: Um, I, I mean, there are some i think like, like you were saying that there are some parts in this that are you know well made and there's uh, interesting little bits and i think we can all agree i wish there was more ryuk as well because he i like when he sort of just sort of chips away and he uh, light has his like little conversations over his shoulder with him
0: and those parts there's a great where scene where he's trying to sh- sorry i keep jumping in but the, no, there's no. the great scene where he's trying to tell mia like right turn around now and she's like there's no one there and you're like what and he realises that he's the only one that can see him you know that's kind of a cool scene and more of that kind of interaction would have been yeah, really, yeah, really beneficial.
1: It, yeah yeah. it's just like it's just hampered by the fact of how like quickly it gets into things and like I think like one of the one of the key things of this, this film like the takeaways is, is like what pussy will do to a motherfucker do you know what I mean like <laughs>
0: like, like she like and yeah don't she will like, as well yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah.
1: <laughs> she but will literally. he'll be like no that's it I'm out like I need to get out of this and she'll be like but I love you and he's like right we're doubling down I'm gonna find out what else fucking up, name is kill inside can't
0: wake up
2: <laughs> but, yeah but the like, definition I mean, of down bad
0: we can spoil the films on this right like yeah, yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah yeah like the fact that he's at the end he's like I only said I'd kill you if you took the book off me which means you're a deceitful bitch like, you know <laughs> Like, did he really have faith that she wasn't going to steal that book off him? Like, come on, son. Like, of course she is.
1: Yeah,
0: that whole ending in the Ferris wheel was just kind of like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah.
1: What do we think of, like, the big, like, twist when, like, we find out, like, his whole plan, this kind of, like, I don't know, Rube Goldberg thing he's put in place to make sure that he, like, got out of the like water safe and stuff like that like what 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 did what did did either of you what did you think of that ben
0: well that i mean that's in the source material isn't it daryl that that whole kind of story segment so yeah that wasn't Mm -hmm. a surprise i knew that was coming but um yeah like i said at that point i was just so lost with it i feel like the first act kind of i was like okay i'm gonna forgive it the final destination of it all and just go with it but but by the end yeah i I was just lost Mm -hmm. lost of it and uh yeah, no. Not offense.
1: <laughs> so it's like yeah. the end of this film the end of the entire kind of anime, Daryl? Like, well something I I mean, something I
2: wanted to sort of bring up is like the ending of this movie was definitely confident that they were gonna get they were gonna get a sequel.
0: Definitely. They were definitely very
2: confident the they were gonna get a sequel. It's not the ending of the uh anime i suppose spoilers vague well as vague as i can sort of remember them spoilers for people who might not have watched the anime just a heads up here obviously across the course of the anime there's the whole cat and mouse of l is trying to discover who kira is and kira's uh real name it's kind of a Columbo thing that he knows that it's light but he's trying to prove it and inversely from that light is trying to find l's real name because he's the real threat to him and being discovered. And it's they're basically the two smartest people in the world because the story dictates they have to be. And it's this intellectual chess match that's going sort of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I think at some point like another death note appears and sort of called kind of grows. Comes into play, doesn't it? Yeah. Um we get a bit more lore on like the death gods and sort of jumping ahead. And I'll say again, spoilers if you haven't watched it, and if you were thinking about watching the anime as well, petros saying spoilers for you as well. Tell me if you want me to stop because i'm a man possessed right now
0: he won't remember tomorrow don't worry <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: but eventually sort of like learns l's name puts him in the death note but it turns out that l has basically proteges that pick up for him and then they have like this new task force that eventually bring kira down and i think eventually it's ryuk who writes l's name in the death note i think and then life sort of goes on and i think they've done sort of sequels and spin-offs as well um but it's like a, f- a fascinating gripping sort of story and obviously here as you said you know um a sweet puss will do things to a man because <laughs> he, he's he knows me for about five minutes then he's like i shouldn't really say but come check out this sweet fucking book that i've got and he's like i'm well fucking into that uh let's yeah, just go think- ham on it and kill everyone
1: <laughs> I, I think how into how like like to to use to use a kind of mo- very modern like phrase i think how into it she is would give me the ick yeah do you know what i mean like like i'd be like i would expect some kind of like kickback being like that's ah, you're getting into some deep shit here. do you know what i mean like yeah it would be like it would be like going to a girl like do you know what i've really got into smack lately and they're going Right, let's go. Let's get let let Let's get smacked up. Like it'd be like, oh okay. I thought you would uh, like maybe be like a bit more concerned, but she's like, no. Let's let's do it. Like let's let's Google live crime right now. Let's kill a motherfucker. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like obviously here, light tries to have
2: some kind of. I don't really think I can call it a code, but he's like, he says as much as like, well, we need to make sure that the people we're going after are legit bad guys we can't just be going after people based on conjecture and rumor because them are muddy in the whole waters here it's like look we know that this person is uh, a murderer this person's got a hostage on tv they're a bad person and then she's like let's kill a fucking school bus of kids who fucking gives a shit let's do whatever we want and emir in this is obviously based on uh light's girlfriend in sort of the series as well it, in that like light, light, really sort of uses a more more of a cover than anything else than any actual emotional attachment, attraction, um, attraction or attachment, I should say. And Mia in the film is given a lot more agency, but even then, I think she's kind of used more just to highlight the sadistic part of what the Death Note does to someone and. We never really get the true sadism and calculated approach of um, light in the source material as well, because I think it it tries to be too just and noble. Um, I suppose circling back to the original point of the whole ending, that kind of, to me, was, again, like forgive me for how sort of gatekeeper I'm coming across. I do not mean to at all.
0: It's so hard not to, Um, I know what you're saying.
2: But this is when it felt a lot more to sort of almost bastardize the term here more anime there's a very classic anime trope of like in fight scenes almost it's like well i attack you with this then the other person's like well i knew you were going to attack me with that so i've done this then the first person's like well i knew that you were going to respond by doing that so i also did this so it's just this almost very shonen kind of mentality like i knew you were going to take the book i knew you'd you were the person who would, killed all these fbi agents and i knew you're going to try and kill me and i planned for that so i'd also wrote you in here um but you know so you know this house like ain't loyal she falls to her death and then he's in the water as like, i also planned for this child molester to come and pull me out of the water and then kill himself um, i've got
1: john kramer i've got john kramer to bring the book back to me <laughs>
2: And, and then he's just like chilling in a hospital bed and his dad's just like kids are gonna be fucking kids um and then Ryuk just peeps his little head round the, the the curtain is like oh humans what's the fucking delay?" Eh? <laughs> and then he just like smashes to credits like wake
1: me up wake me up
2: inside and they're like oh yeah i can't wait for a fucking sequel to this guff and then you're like mm, okay whatever whatever See, I-
1: since since watching it i was like there are like and it's that thing and it's kind of pretty bore, boring podcasting but you just think of other versions of this film that would have been far more interesting like a version of like a telling of this through the eyes of light like making it kind of like a, a police procedural of like someone trying to figure out what is like do you know what I mean, like tracking down a serial killer and then maybe getting some glimpses of, like, do you know what I mean? Like, 100%, I don't
0: man. Like, I said that at mm-hmm. the start. Like, if you completely deviate from the source material, then, you know, it's a big risk, but at least you took a swing. Yeah. This seemed like so much less of a swing. This was just like, let's make it as basic American teen drama, you know, gore fest as possible. Yeah, no, know, 100%, they should do that. And they still could do that, you know. There's been so many films since. You know Hideo Nakata of like he did Ring, he did Dark Water, all that. He did a sequel to the two Japanese films. And again, it wasn't wasn't great and it didn't do great uh, even in Japan. But uh he did it and then now I think there's two more as well that have yeah, come yeah, out I've, recently.
1: I've seen those letter, yeah, Letterbox, I kind of went in when I watched up. them yet.
0: But like, yeah, you can this, this 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 IP is not dead. You can still do it. Um, well just sure. learn from this mistake and do not do this again
1: Well, case, case in point this ip isn't dead i was in london a couple of months ago and i'm trying to think of the theater well that the, all i know is 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 that it's the theater just off of oxford street that had like cats in it for fucking years, right? Had, had Andrew Lloyd Webber's cats
0: in there. Oh, right. I oh. thought you meant like actually just like covered in cats. No, 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 no. no, yeah,
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. The musical, the music, <laughs> okay. the dog shit musical. I must add, it's a terrible musical. It's a terrible film. Uh, and it, welcome to my TED talk. But um they now have. A Death Note musical on, and it was kind oh, yes. of interesting to yeah. watch because it was like it was gearing up to like showtime, and there was like a load of old like awkward goths kind of like milling around <laughs> outside, and I was just kind of like had a smile on my face, like you are about to have an absolutely amazing night, I'm sure, but I was also like baffled of like how the fuck. Does this work as a oh, music? Man.
0: I was praying. You were about to say you were you were seeing it. But he, like, no,
2: he no, was no, no, in no. that line with the Goths.
0: <laughs> yeah. He
1: was one of the Goths in the line.
0: Oh man, yeah, I'd be <laughs> I so intrigued by that.
1: No, that's how I found out it was a musical. I think I'd text Daryl immediately, but like, There's a fucking Death Note musical.
0: What the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> that is news to me. Darrell looked like he knew knew well of it, but like, yeah, yeah
2: no. I'd, I'd heard about it. I didn't know it was still running though, which is like,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I'm
2: getting a
0: train to London again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I like. Well, I recently went to see the My Neighbor Totoro like stage
0: adaptation. In oh, London. that looks amazing.
1: And that that was that 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 was amazing. And that like now I'm very much like, maybe I'm a theatre guy, but maybe I'm only <laughs> a theatre guy for adaptations of Japanese films. So maybe I'm gonna be my I neighbor Totoro, yeah. Death Note, spirited away. That's I can't gonna wait be...
0: <laughs> to see Dragon Ball Z on Broadway. That's gonna be amazing. <laughs>
1: Yes.
0: I mean this
2: this being said though, like I had it pop up on my um TikTok algorithm. Like in America there was like an off Broadway musical version of the first Scream movie.
1: Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanna see (laughs) I wanna see the stage adaptation of audition. Do you
0: know what I mean? Oh yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Gilly gilly,
0: gilly, (laughs) gilly,
1: (laughs) gilly. To turn that into an absolute banger. Yeah,
0: sorry, Android (laughs) Robot
1: kitty 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 the needle goes in kitty 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 you're going to die giddy, giddy. amazing yeah yes please oh boy there's yeah. a man in a sack there's a man in a sack what do we do with the man in a sack yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it writes itself. give us more musicals of
2: everything You'd
0: it'd be amazing so many good ideas on this podcast and they never it. come to fruition
1: it starts it's off as like a traditional musical, right? You've got the kind of like "I want" song from the from the protagonist at the boot, like "I want a wife," so I'm auditioning all of these ladies. I want a wife, like what would fulfil my life? A wife. So you've got all of that, and then all of a sudden, like you go for the intermission. You'd be like, "Oh, that was really sweet. That was really romantic." Then the second half is like. <laughs> you
0: know it oh man
1: I'll be hitting oh, you up afterwards, Ben, to get Adam's details to see if I can uh pop an email to to cashmi so I can start penning audition the musical, yes, please <laughs> yeah let's give it a go. <laughs> let's get it going <laughs> this is this
2: is how we win this is where yeah. the money is
1: hitting the moth club 2024
2: keep your eyes open guys but they they have to contractually say at least once per act like i also love listening to getting defoe you the podcast (laughs) and shoehorn fucking mention in there and i'm completely (laughs) sell the fuck out in 2024 (laughs) as we go ahead that's that's the game plan that's I feel bad point.
0: because I, you know, I'm a fan of this show. I listen to the show, and you always talk about Defoe so much, and I feel like we spoke about him for about ten minutes during this episode. You know,
1: well, we gave him what he's what he what he's got in this film, right? And and obviously, we, we no, we, we we did the chat up front, and we'll close out with some Defoe chat. Don't worry, Defoe's gonna
0: yeah, get yeah, his, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think yeah, he, he's
1: gonna get his apples.
0: He should if they do another one if Netflix. Finally decide, you know, we can still do this just slightly different. Keep the foe. Keep the right, foe yes, for please.
1: show. Yes, please. The foe yeah. for show. Yes, please.
2: Give us our spiky porcupine, Daddy. Yes, please. <laughs> um I mean and I certainly think on that note, time to start whining things down um unless there's any other glaring scenes that he wants to bring to the table before we start wrapping up
0: i mean i was honestly i like again i'm a fan of the show so i knew you were going to ask this and i was thinking about it i was like there's really not that many like the jock bully decapitation scene is kind of cool in a just kind of overly gory schlock way yeah um and I do like how the film's shot in general. Like, hmm. you know, like I said, the neon lighting's really cool and some of the chase sequences and fight sequences, they are done well. But yeah, no, nothing really stood out no. to me. I'm so sorry. Fine, the only fine. thing that, like,
1: comes to my mind is I just love the moment where, like, you hear his dad on the phone go like, ha, ha, ha what a what a story pal and then he goes into his son's room and he's like you know that guy who killed your mom he's fucking dead and they're kind of like high five like yeah <laughs> <laughs> weird yes, moment
0: Shea wiggum really goes full tilt in this film doesn't yeah. he like like <laughs> yeah, he earned his paycheck
2: yeah i think the only other scene that stood out to me is when they're at that school dance and then light oh, falls yeah. about three FBI agents by just giving someone else a top hat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the greatest mind in the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, no, I thought the same thing. It's like, hold on.
2: Either he's brilliant or the FBI are fucking idiots and should have jumped off that building. Um,
1: what One thing this film reminded me of before, before we go as well, is that, I think it's just because you kind of get that like third act, somebody going to a... A creepy like orphanage or like, do you know what I mean? Some kind of hospital was um malignant. And I was like, I wish this was in the register that malignant was in. Do you know what I mean? Like high camp. Yeah, 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 yeah. High camp. Very much like that, that film as well, that is borrowing stuff from seven, like full tilt even to the point where the score is basically doing like, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like a Fincher greatest hits. It's got like a, where is my mind kind of riff like throughout it and stuff like that. And like, I was just like, Oh man, like I wish this was playing at that kind of operatic camp level instead and of Frank like Frank
0: Henenlotter as well, which again, this film would have like, if you'd taken from basket case for this film a bit more, yeah, it would have been so much more effective.
1: Well, it made me think. It's like, do do have have the creators of the manga ever like referenced like the fact that like Donnie Darko being an inspiration on the manga? Because the manga came out in two thousand and three, so it would have been a couple of years after Donnie Darko, which is kind of like even even that small part that is borrowing that thing of like a kid being corrupted by this kind of like, do you know what I mean this force that's like pulling him like ryuk is almost like frank the bunny from from donnie Darko, and it's kind of playing in that same sandbox like I, 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 that was I don't just know. what i had as my, my total like kind of i don't know western brain not kind of tapped into the manga or anime at all
0: well i don't think as a generalization i don't think people in the uk are particularly enamored with japanese cinema the way that i am like i'm kind of an obsessive but i know from friends that i have in japan that pretty universally the Japanese are obsessed with Hollywood and American movies. So yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it plays something into it.
1: Yeah. It's kind of got that, you can see that kind of, especially that emo-y vibe to, do you know what I mean? That you kind of even get from the artwork of like the Death Note manga and stuff like that. And like the kind of, I don't know, the imposingness of like Ryuk, like, Oh, Ryuk, I should say yeah is 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 kind of like very reminiscent of like Frank and like like you say the kind of the the wit and the charm of him as well is like I didn't know Donnie
0: Darko predated it if I'm honest I'm quite yeah. surprised to hear that so yeah
1: yeah and like Donnie Darko is is that whole thing of like he he ultimately does something for the greater good of everyone else right like he basically sacrifices himself
0: how exactly hey. does one suck a fuck light? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what we wanted Shay Wiggum to be saying.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs>
2: oh. yeah. No, fantastic. But I think, again, I think on that note, it's uh, time to bring us to the wrap up questions portion of the episode. So, the first question of the three that we ask is uh in this movie does Defoe do the deface now so obviously we've we sort of discussed that Ryuk is very much hidden in shadows throughout this one but with that in mind I pass it to you Ben as guest first um do we get a deface yes or no
0: I would have to say kind of but we get it in CGI because he definitely has that Defoe grin you know that big toothy grin. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think I know it's just his voice being played, but actually I think there's a lot of him in the character. It is a perfect mix and match. So yeah, I'd say to a degree. Yeah, we do.
2: We get a degree of deface. A degree of deface. Patros, same question. Any deface for you?
1: It's constant deface, isn't it? Ryuki is constantly doing like kind of the toothy grin and stuff like that. As, as Ben said, like, yeah, I, I I think so, and I think like that it's almost like Defoe playing into what the Deface is almost at this point. I mean, it's quite self it feels self aware in that in that fact. Yeah, the, the 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 biggest gripe of this film is we didn't get more Riuk.
0: We get um, the Defoe de laugh. More, I say, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, the Defoe
1: the giggle, we get, yeah, we get the we get the Green Goblin, don't we? We get almost like when the when the marbles smash, it's almost like oh, Goblin bombs, you know? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think I have to uh, agree with the Defoe in that. In mind, I think there's no way they haven't taken Willem Defoe in the recording booth as some kind of facial um, reference point there as well. And even though it's silhouetted, I know when it comes to. I know there was someone sort of doing the move slightly there, but I know when it comes to a bit of CGI as well, it's usually more effective and cheaper just to cover them in shadow as well. So I'm sure beneath the shadow, there was a, a big toothy maw of Defoe there as well. Uh, so three defaces, the second question we ask, and we look specifically at the character, not Defoe himself, but the character of Ryuk. Uh, does the character of Ryuk have BDE Big Defoe energy, big Dick energy, whichever one you fancy. Uh, Ben, BDE, yes or no?
0: Yeah, that's an unequivocal yes for me, (laughs) Daryl. For sure, yeah. Top 10 BDE, I'd say, maybe.
2: (laughs) I mean, when you're a god, it's kind of self-explanatory. I suppose there's a point we've not touched on. In this season, he's been literally the God of man Jesus and now the God of death as well. Don't tell me this man does not have range. <laughs> <laughs> um, same question to you, Petros BDE for Ryuk.
1: See, I, I, I have started adopting having like, uh, a, co- like a couple of columns so like a little, sp- uh, sh- sh- yeah, like a little table. And I, I kind of put points on for like BDE or SD and it's a tie here. Cause I said, here's a death demon, big dick energy. He is a deaf demon, small dick energy. But I <laughs> yeah. think I think the way he carries himself and he's like a real cheeky boy. Like I reckon <laughs> I reckon that's big dick energy. The fact like he's like when he when he says to when he says to light, it like I know the suggestion of the name I'm gonna put in like with the next with the next owner of the book, <laughs> like that's that's that, that's big dick. He's telling him like, "Fucking, you're next, buddy." Like, <laughs>
0: Dude, honestly though, do you think Ryuk's walking into any room and not being like, "What up? I got a big cuck? Like, yeah,
1: of course, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
0: There's no debate here. He's uh, <laughs> he's
1: feeding the, he's not eating them apples. He's feeding them to his <laughs> cock. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess you could technically put
2: in the death note that. um Someone's hog will explode and they'll die. I said, as long as it is physically possible. The the example they use is, you know, a man can't be eaten by a shark while he's on the toilet. That's not possible. He's taking the piss, mate. But you know, the Defoe giving the power to explode hogs.
0: That is, a, I'm ashamed to say, it's never crossed my mind. But yeah, instead of being like, who can we kill? You should be like, how can we kill people? Oh yeah, that is that is the movie. <laughs> Fucking hell shark toilet yeah exactly or you know what is the most
1: fun way yeah yeah death, yeah
0: death by pencil but in a pillow factory or something like that you know what i mean like, <laughs> how <laughs> can we make this as insane as possible what
1: is like the rube goldberg situation i can like write in this book do you know what I mean like two pages long like there we go Look, let's get our pen out yeah, like writing so out this whole scroll of stuff that has to happen <laughs> to this die. <person>. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Petros Patsilius gets bored to death by poetry and then just watch and see (laughs) how this happens. Slow,
2: slow, slow death. And the last thing you hear before it goes dark is people just fucking clicking. Um, (laughs) You know god awful way to go out um, no poetry is fun poetry is good I
0: love that yeah no sorry I'm, yeah, I'm not gatekeeping poetry please don't <laughs> we've, <laughs> <came up,
2: laughs> we've gatekept <gatecapped> enough today <laughs> intentionally or otherwise yeah I think I've, I think i have got to go three for three on the BDE as well I think you bring up a great point Death Demon the proverbial hog of BDE can swing either way but then when you kind of sit in there with like your arms open like I dare you to put my name in that book and see what happens that's uh yeah, pretty, pretty b d e. If you ask me, and the fact that he, this is all just amusing to Ryuk, though. He's like, I'm just here to like watch and see what happens. You, you fucking maniacs! Is ain't my first rodeo? I've been to upwards of three of them. <laughs> um, so it's it's just interesting to see it from his perspective as well. Well, we come to potentially the most important of the three wrap up questions our final thoughts on the film and our final rating. And of course, we don't just give the movies a thumbs up or a thumbs down here. We, of course, in Willem style, give it a friend or a foe. And we pass it to you first, Ben. So your closing thoughts and rating on Death Note.
0: Thank you, Daryl. <laughs> I mean, I've laid my cards flat on the table since the opening segment, I believe, uh, you know, I went into this, I guess, uh, cautiously optimistic because of my fan of the filmmaker, mm-hmm. um, but was yeah disappointed straight away and revisiting it now, six years later. Um, I'm not, I'm not sad that I did this, you know, it's been really fun chatting to you guys and actually rewatching it with a critical eye rather as last time, just being just flat out disappointed was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, I just can't, yeah, I can't recommend this to people. This. I recommend the anime, I recommend the Japanese films. Um, you know, I haven't read the manga, but I'm damn sure it's better than this. (laughs) Um yeah, it's just a defoe for me. I do give it two out of five. Um, I gave it the first time and I gave it this time. And that's purely because I think Adam Wingard's, you know, direction and filmmaking is, you know, passable. Is is he's a good filmmaker. Um but this is the worst film he's made, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, I but I do want to see another attempt at this maybe sometime and, and try something new with it because I don't want Death Note to die.
2: Yeah, you don't want Death Note to write itself in the Death Note.
0: Exactly. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't going to go that way. But yeah, 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 Just cause...
2: cancel itself out of existence. No, I think I think there's some life in the old girl. Yeah, I do agree. So, one Defoe on 2017's Death Note. Petros, same question. De friend or de foe?
1: I'm not going to gild the lily here. G- 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 gild, gild the lily. G- 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 gild the gilly. Oh,
2: no. uh, Petros <laughs> is in the Death Note, people. It's <laughs> uh,
1: It's a, it's a de from me. It's is, it is a big a big old stinky defoe. Like Like Ben said, it's kind of it's a film that is not without merit. There's like good filmmaking techniques. But even like from a Defoe basis, like I feel like he is great in it, but like it's given like slight short shrift in like the limited screen time we get with him. He kind of feels like he's doing like a lot of like exposition and a lot of like lore stuff. Do you know what I mean like he's kind of like, well, the all say this, kid, and like all, all this kind of stuff. And it's like I wish we had got more. I don't know. Yeah, more on ryuk and like do you know what i mean like what the death demons are and, and i guess this film if you were to watch it like i like i think the the greatest thing about it is it probably will make a lot of people who do have like a curious mind to be like oh i'm gonna go check out the kind of the source text in whatever form that may be like the the manga, the anime, or the Japanese movies. And I know I know that like I cannot say I've seen the Japanese movies, but I definitely have seen like parts of them when they were like played on like Channel 4, I think, like way almost before. certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and like just kind of being like, I don't know, really struck by the image of Ryuk and just being like, whoa, what the fuck is that? And like, because it's like yeah, and it's a rich text that Let's hope that whatever the Duffer Brothers do with it, like if it's a series, like they get the breathing space and can kind of do it justice or I don't know. Yeah. I. But this film, it just it just doesn't work. It's a film that is hampered by the source material in a way. And it's like it's too there's. It's too short, but it's almost too long. Do you know what I mean? It's like kind of that thing it doesn't commit to either. It's like it has to be a contained story, but at the same time, they want a sequel, but it's like they're not guaranteed a sequel. So it's it's kind of indicative of the the, the problem we have with films and TV these days, right? Nobody knows what they get like if they're getting another film or another series until the first one's done so like that everyone yeah, everyone yeah. kind of feels hampered by that so yeah I, I i think there's some shenanigans going on somewhere down the line but as a film itself i've watched it twice i shall not be watching it a third time
2: <laughs> amen to that so that two defoes and i think it's going to be a unanimous Three for three on the Defoe's. I, th- I think, like we say, we can all agree there's still hope for the franchise. Uh, whenever the live action TV series comes out with the Duffer Brothers, hopefully through TV form, um, as you said at the top, um, as they found success with the One Piece live action, the Death Note gets a bit of loan t- uh, room to breathe, gets a-, a chance to develop and tell the story, and as we also said. Just because you can take a 30, 40 hour story and condense it into 90 minutes doesn't mean that you should. And not every mountain has to be climbed. And you know, a lesson in hubris. Don't be so confident that you're always going to get a bit a sequel. You know, um, be humble. I think filmmakers should be more humble. That's what I'm that's what I'm saying there. And ultimately, I think if nothing else, if people were like, oh, the film's not for me, but ended up discovering anime or the manga after this then you know maybe that's a win there read more anime watch more uh read anime i've gone insane the death note has taken my brain uh read more manga watch more anime because there's a load of incredible stories um and sort of artists and writers out there as well and go check out death note in anime or manga form because it's um a fantastic story that should be absorbed as well I think like you, Ben. I gave this one two stars I boxed on the airboxed, purely on the a very generous two stars on that, purely on the basis of Defoe and the Keith Stanfield trying to make some chicken soup from chicken shit. Um, <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> shit still shit, baby. No matter how you season <laughs> it, no matter how you season it. So, do you yes. watch
0: a lot of anime, Dale? I don't know. I didn't know that about you going into this.
2: We're all learning here today, sir. So, um, <laughs> I wouldn't call myself like a full-on, it's the only thing that I ever watch, but I have Love a Crunchyroll subscription. subscription. Hashtag not yeah, an ad.
0: Perfect.
2: Big fan of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Attack on Titan, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen is very good. I enjoyed Jujutsu Chainsaw Jujutsu Kaisen Man.
0: is my ultimate favorite of all time. I think I'm just obsessed. Uh, um, it's, did you watch the Attack on Titan finale that's just, just been
2: through? Yeah, to my discredit um i felt incredibly behind and then it just kept getting delayed so i got to the point and was like you know what at this point because that they announced like the final season like 15 times and then it just <laughs> yeah, wasn't it the final season yeah, yeah i just yeah. got to the point was like you know what i'm just gonna let the actual rest of it come out and then just commit to it so now the point of recording it is out i'm gonna sit down at some point at this point it's been so long i might as well start it over again why not? It's not a bad thing. Um sure. but I will you... say that I've I've started one piece from the beginning. Fuck. So... That's
0: that's impressive. That's that's a long you yeah, you'll be gray by the time you finish that no, one.
2: I think I saw someone on TikTok said if you watch at least three episodes a day it'll take you about a year to catch up. So <laughs> I ain't got much else going on. Um,
0: so Demon I'm... Slayer is a really good one as well. And if you watch Demon that one. Slayer,
2: fantastic. Really enjoyed Demon Slayer.
0: I have one more recommendation that I caught in the cinema this year. And oh, it's way. without question going to be in my top 10 of the year. Um, and it's the first slam dunk. No. Um, it's a basketball anime. It's a feature film. It's about two hours, 20. Even if you do not care about sport whatsoever, it's almost like what you said earlier about, you know, in an anime fight, it's like, I knew you were going to throw that punch. So I did that very clever kick into your ankle and that lowered you. And they yeah, do that yeah. with, with basketball and ah. do flashbacks and flash forwards. And it is the most intense, uh, invigorating, visceral cinematic experience of had all year. And uh, yeah. So ah. keep your eye out for that one. The first slam dunk.
2: Right, I will absolutely be keeping an eye out for that then. Uh Crunchyroll if you are listening and want to sponsor we'll cover just it doesn't even have to be defoe related. We'll uh, we'll sell out in a heartbeat. <laughs> Crunchyroll, manscaped, whatever you want. I'll I'll sell the fuck out. If yeah, that's we've, what got, it takes. We've,
1: got, we've got plenty of hog chat Daryl's got the anime <laughs> sort of, come on. Manscaped. Crunchyroll. We got you we got your baby.
2: Listen. My Crunchyroll subscription is always so smooth for streaming. Um, You can't you can't see me because this is audio, but I'm 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 winking at the camera and doing a thumbs up right now. But yes, with that said, enjoy more anime and read more manga as well. Um, If nothing else, but certainly with that said, we take this opportunity to say, uh, Ben Chandler, thank you very much once again for taking the time to talk about Death Note. It's been a pleasure to have you on board. Uh, For the listeners, all aboard! This thing we call the, the Folk of Motion Train. Also, where can we find you on the internet and so all that good such stuff as well?
0: Yeah, thanks, man. Oh, well, yeah. So uh, the main place you can find me is at Benji Box. Um, that's Benji Box, spelled with a Y, on Twitter or X now, whatever you call it. That's where I kind of tweet all of my uh, film watching shenanigans. Um, or yeah, you can listen into the Third Window Films podcast, which, as I mentioned, is. It's kind of the official podcast of the distribution label that Adam runs. But um, lockdown, I was just just consuming Japanese cinema constantly. And one of the mm-hmm. box sets that I bought off Amazon um, was a Toshiyaki Toyota kind of uh, early years retrospective. And I started tweeting about it. Um, and Adam messaged me out of the blue, and he's someone I've followed for years, right, I've been a fan of. And he said, I just want to let you know that uh, since you tweeted about my box set, um, it's been sitting on our, you know, <laughs> store shelf for for years. And we've just sold out the last 250 copies, and I think it's down to your tweet. So thank you. Nice. And I was like, "Holy Amazing. shit! Thank you, man! Like, yeah, it blew me away."
1: <laughs> Influencer baby. <laughs>
0: and then we started talking, just as like I was like, "So what you got going on now?" And all this stuff. And I just said to him, "Have you ever thought about doing a podcast?" And he said, uh, "Well, I'd love to, but I haven't got a fucking clue how to do it." And I was like, "Well, that's kind of my thing. I do know. Would you want to do one with me?" And he was like, "Sure, let's do it." And I literally, I was like pinching myself, going, "Oh my god." So anyway, long story short, um, the podcast is basically all things Third Window Films from the perspective of the fan being me and the man himself being Adam Terrell. And it's the guy behind the scenes who does all the work and all of the, you know, the meetings and the signings and all this stuff. And then the fan who gets to watch the films at the end. And it's kind of an interesting mix of, you know, business and pleasure. Uh, Yeah. So if you're into East Asian cinema whatsoever, uh, yeah, check us out, Third Window Films podcast.
2: Incredible stuff. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time. All the links down in the description, as per usual. And as we come to the end and close the cover on Death Note once and for all, it is left for us to say,
0: I've been Daryl.
1: I've been Petros.
0: And I've been Ben. And this has been Getting to Furry You. And there we have
2: it. There we go. Oh, the Death Note is all done and dust enough back on the bookshelf uh for another time back in the film library from whence it came um so that is a book
1: i will not be reading again daryl as i said in the episode <laughs> I will not be re- but the, the thing i didn't say on the episode and i kind of want to state here is like i am now kind of interested like i kind of said in the episode like i'm interested now to kind of dive in I'm not sure 39 hours for the anime um, maybe the Japanese films probably a bit more manageable for me like so I'll definitely be ingesting some more Death Note as as, as time comes
2: definitely I think another you know we we're talking very briefly about anime recommendations and and animes that get you into more anime definitely definitely one of them i would also throw out there um, if you know you know Cowboy Bebop, um, definitely one to watch out there as well. And if they don't hook you, then there's no bloody hope for you. <laughs> don't darken my doorstep again. Um, yeah, I think I, I want to I re-watch Death Note now. So I think just like in the first season, how a lot of those movies made us think, well, now I want to read the book this is based off of. Um, if this was your design, filmmakers, you're bloody winning. So
1: well, I feel like I feel like the last temptation of Christ failed in the fact that it did not make me want to read the Bible. So well, uh, you're a heathen, <laughs> you're a godless, a godless heathen. <laughs> Maybe I need to rethink my vote on that film.
2: Yeah, I think you need to reconsider what books you're reading, you, <laughs> know, you <laughs> monster. Um <laughs> uh, But, obviously, dear listener of the defoca Motion Train, we thank you for listening if you have been, as per usual. And, you know, we've got two episodes left. It is our penultimate episode of Season 2 next week.
1: And what have we got coming up? We will be talking about the 1992 thriller drama White Sands, where we will be joined by Scott Murphy. Again, another perfect guest for this, who covers all things 90s action on his podcast, 90s Action All The Time, and is also the host of the New Horror Express podcast, so we'll be talking about, um, yeah, some action-adjacent stuff and some kind of big, big action 90s heavy hitters, I guess. Mickey Rourke must have done some kind of 90s schlock stuff, and that's very much the ground that Scott covers. So, yes, that will be a lot of fun.
2: We're very much looking forward to it. And, of course, we can't wrap things up here without thanking our dear editor, Matt. Uh, You are the killer to my grovelling worm life. Uh, Without you... Um, you know crime would be running rampant proverbial podcast crime that is of two silly geese honking round aimlessly so thank you for keeping us out of your proverbial death note and keeping us in check
1: oh very much without matt our names would very much be in the book but he is tearing them out he is setting them a cinder in a bin. He is dragging us out of the water. He is reviving us. He is bringing the book back to us and making us whole again.
2: God bless you for all you do, Mr. Matt Keira. Um And we told you at the top, we'll tell you again, if you've enjoyed the episode, if you enjoy the show, if you enjoy the podcast, reach out on all the usual social medias and what's.
1: As a reminder, Patros, would they be? So you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at DefoeYouPod. Or if you'd like to drop us an email, that will be DefoeYouPod at gmail.com. And remember to always be a Defriend and never a Defoe. And give us a nice little five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now.
2: Abso- gosh and we end by saying thank you for listening, if you have been. We will catch you next week as we continue to cover all the de highs, all the de lows, and all things Willem Defoe right here on Getting Defoe. You. So until then, until then, bye-bye for now. Bye!